That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Thank you for being here. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Well, the Oscars are this Sunday night. And as always, I will be reviewing the Oscars, my snarky, bitchy Oscar review, and it will appear on this podcast Monday morning. So I thought to kind of get you in the mood for the Academy Awards, that would be my topic of discussion this week on Hollywood and Levine, some random thoughts about the Oscars. Well, did you know, you think about the Oscars always being in Hollywood, but for a long time... They were in Santa Monica. They were in an arena called the Santa Monica Civic. This was back in the late 50s, very early 60s, back when Bob Hope was the MC. Bob Hope was the MC for years and years and pretty much really set the template for it. I mean, he was funny. He was also a movie star, having been in many movies. And uh, he had a great shtick. The shtick being that he had never won. And so he was always bitching about the fact that he never had an Oscar. Back in those days, the Oscars used to get huge ratings. Unbelievable. But then again, it was the only movie award shows. I mean, that and the Emmys were the only award shows, period. Now, of course, you got the Golden Globes, the People's Choice, MTV Movie Awards, New York Critics, LA Critics, Indie Spirit, and then you have SAG, DGA, WGA. But back then, it was just the Oscars. And the movies were also way more popular back then. I mean, everybody saw the movies that were in contention for Picture of the Year. Everybody knew them. And now, of course, it's essentially just art films. And to lure the public back, the Academy expanded the number of nominations for Picture of the Year. But really, who are they kidding? (laughs) I mean, it's just schmuck bait because we know there's only two or three real contenders And now instead of five, maybe there's nine or ten. But you know what? You can nominate Wonder Woman all you want. It has no chance. So eventually what they've started doing is not even nominating movies like Wonder Woman. They just nominate more art films. Back in the old days... The Oscars used to be way more elegant. It was a much more of a glamorous affair. And the host had some stature, you know. You you had Bob Hope, 
who was a major star of film and movies and TV. And he was followed by Johnny Carson, who was the king of late night. And he, too, you know, dressed up in a tuxedo, had some gravitas, and that sort of went away. A big, big change occurred in 1975. It was a big sea change for movies. That was the year that Jaws became a summer blockbuster. And movie studios suddenly, as a result of that, pretty much changed the way they did business. All of a sudden, the summer blockbuster tentpole movie was their number one priority. Big spectacle, special effects, sharks, whatever. And that got extended to the holiday season as well, because the summer and the holiday seasons are the two seasons when the kids are out of school. Anyway, an Oscar is nice, but a $300 million payday is way better. And still for a few years, the Academy held on, still nominating popular films. I remember the first Star Wars was actually nominated. Then another big change came in 1999. That is the year that Shakespeare in Love, which was a very nice, very pleasant romantic comedy, beat Saving Private Ryan, the Spielberg epic. Well, the reason that it won Shakespeare in Love, everyone believed, was because Harvey Weinstein rolled out this huge campaign for Shakespeare, and that is what turned the tide. Thus began the era of the massive Oscar campaigns. Screenings, handsomely mounted programs, DVD screeners, ads everywhere, commercials, publicity junkets, cast and crew interviews with reporters, screenings and Q&As after for voting members. And it's all for stature because studios are first and foremost looking to get rich. So in order of importance, now, global sales, domestic sales, and way, way down, awards. And if they had to give one of those up, which do you think it would be? In a heartbeat, fuck the Oscars, get me Aquaman. Ratings have gone steadily down. Now, for years, the Oscars used to be held on Monday night. By the way, ABC has always had the Oscars. It seems like in my lifetime, it has always been on ABC. Now, at the time I was doing MASH, we would have what we called our Oscar show. And what that meant was we would save the worst episode of the year, and that's the one that we would hold for the night we were up against the Oscars. Now the other networks pretty much bail and they'll do reruns, but back then we had first-run shows that would get killed, and so we always buried our worst episode up against the Academy Awards. And then some years they were up against the NCAA basketball championship game. And that really dug into their numbers. So to avoid that, they moved the Oscars to Sunday night. And I understand, I hear rumor that next year they're going to go back to Monday night. We'll have to see. 
the first red carpet shows that I can remember were done, oh boy, like 25 years ago by the local ABC station, KABC, here in Los Angeles. And the hosts were the two evening news anchors, Harold Green and Tawny Little. Tawny Little was a former Miss America. And Tawny began their tradition of asking the dumbest fucking questions imaginable. KTLA Channel 5 kind of picked up the mantle with Sam Rubin and his rotating co-host of Mindy Burbano and Jessica Holmes, and they have upheld that tradition of idiocy nicely. And now that the Academy Awards are back in Hollywood proper, well, it means there are street closures everywhere in the area for like several weeks, and it is a giant mess. People who live here kind of hope that, like the Super Bowl, next year the Oscars might be in Minnesota. Now, I think one of the big attractions of the Oscars is the fact that it is live. Now, you're always hoping for the unexpected. I remember one year there was a streaker. Another year, somebody beat out Billy Wilder, and as he was coming down the aisle to get his award... Billy Wilder stuck out his foot and tripped the guy. He just did a header, just a face plant in the aisle. That's the kind of stuff that you want to see on the Academy Awards. And, of course, maybe the biggest gaffe of all was last year when Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway read the wrong name for Picture of the Year. Hosting the Oscars can be a thankless task. Lots of people have tried it and have failed. Spectacularly, Seth MacFarlane, but also Chris Rock, John Stewart, David Letterman, Whoopi Goldberg, Ellen DeGeneres, Steve Martin, and Alec Baldwin. It's really tough because that audience in that auditorium takes itself very seriously. And you can poke fun at them but just up to a point. They tend not to be in great moods. I mean, there's a lot riding on this for them, and, you know, they're really not there to chuckle at some idiot's opening monologue. It is a very hard crowd to win over. Billy Crystal had a very good run, but you know what? Even when they brought him back a couple of years ago, boy, his act just felt very dated. And, of course, the plastic surgery was also very distracting. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel returns for the second year. I actually thought he did a very good job last year. He's very easygoing, which I think sets a nice tone. He was a little bit flustered at the end of the show last year when there was the big brouhaha as Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty read the wrong name. (laughs) Oh, man, I still can't get over that. But you know what? I I think give him a couple of years to really get his footing, and I think Jimmy Kimmel will have the gravitas, will be able to handle situations like that because, you know, it's not just a guy standing up there doing an opening monologue. He really has to take control of the show. And when something unexpected happens, he is the one who has to go out there and somehow restore order, keep things moving. I think Jimmy Kimmel will do a fine job. 
writing the Oscars cannot be easy either. Now, I almost got the chance to write for the Oscars one year. It was the year that Quincy Jones, by the way, has now become like America's loose cannon. What's going on with that guy? Anyway, he produced it one year, and he asked Larry Gelbart if he wanted to write it, but Larry was too busy working on some film projects, and and he recommended me and my partner, David Isaacs. So it was really quite bizarre. We're sitting in our office one day, and all of a sudden the writer's assistant buzzes and says, Quincy Jones is on the phone for us. Like, what, really? <laughs> anyway, uh, he asked if we wanted to write the Academy Awards, and we would have loved to, but that was uh, one of the two years that we were running almost perfect, and so we were not available. But like I said, it's really a tough task. I mean, you got to write something for a couple of presenters, and then you have to have it approved by the producers, the Academy, the two presenters themselves, and their managers, and their agents, and their publicity people, and their teams. And after 19 drafts, you know, they get up on stage, they don't know how to read teleprompters, they screw up the material, they're not there for rehearsal, they ad-lib, and when the material dies, who do they blame? You, the writer. And you have to do this for all of the presenters through the entire night. I think it would be kind of fun to do one time only just for the experience, but no more than once. And since 1995, no one has asked me. It has always bothered me that movie stars will only show up now if they're nominated. And that's not the way it used to be. I mean, back in the old days, you know, it was always the big stars in attendance. You know, it was always Clark Gable was always there. Spencer Tracy was, oh, Cary Grant was always there. Barbara Stanwyck, whoever. Now, you don't even know who some of these nominees are, and it all rotates year after year. For a long time, Jack Nicholson was always there. He was very smart. He was always there. He sat in the front row. He had on the sunglasses and the shit-eating grin. And the hosts and everyone from the stage would play to him. And as a result, he kind of positioned himself as the king of Hollywood. Well, there's nobody like that. Oprah tries to squeeze in and do that from time to time, but it's just not the same. Also, today, it's kind of different because, well... There really aren't any movie stars. I mean, not like there used to be. Like I said, a lot of the nominees are people you've never heard of. And even Jack no longer comes. For the last 20 years or so, Hollywood has become cause conscious. The celebrities started wearing ribbons. You know, but it's such bullshit. One year, it's a hunger uh, everyone is so concerned about people in foreign countries who are hungry. And then the next year, they completely forget about that. And the issue is uh, limos without moon roofs. Everybody has silver ribbons to signify that. This year, of course, it will be diversity and the Me Too movement. But, you know, I just wonder how many winners in the past who praised and thanked Harvey Weinstein 
will now be dressed in black or wearing whatever color ribbon is designated for this year. But for schmaltz mixed with sheer hypocrisy, you can't beat the Academy Awards. Now, I've been reviewing them, as I mentioned, for almost 20 years now, and it has kind of taken on a life of its own. For a few years, there were some newspapers in Toronto and London who reprinted my reviews. I've been interviewed on numerous TV and radio shows. And for years, I posted the review on my blog, but now... I unveil it first right here on this podcast. It's kind of my small way of thanking you for listening. I'm lying. I'm actually doing it because I'm hoping to build an audience. Anyway, so the ceremony is Sunday night, March 4th. And what I will do is quickly write up my write-up. I'll record it and hopefully have the podcast drop early Monday morning on the 5th. Okay, that will do it for this shortened edition of Hollywood and Levine. My thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, and the voice of the Oscars, Randy Thomas. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. And if you want to get in touch, just email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Again, that's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Ask the people who have done it. I will write you back. Okay, thanks very much for listening. I will talk to you Monday. Hollywood.